One thing I look forward to every summer is the outdoor green markets. I really enjoy the local offerings of fresh fruits, vegetables, baked goods, and so much more. My favorite table is this one seller of jams. And only a few years ago, they offered just three basic flavors, strawberry, blueberry, and raspberry. Personally, I gravitate toward the strawberry jam, but they're all delicious. And every year they would add a new flavor. So this year, when the green market opened, lo and behold, they now offered 16 flavors of which included the likes of grape and rhubarb, apricot and maple, apple walnut, mixed berry, blackberry peach, lemon marmalade, plum orange, and other exciting flavors. To help you make a choice, the seller provides free tastings and I must have tasted almost all of them. And I can tell you, I was delighted by every one of them. But here's the strangest thing. I ended up walking away without buying a single jar. We're going to discuss how the number of choices and how they are presented to you impact your financial decision making. Today on Fin Wisdom. <laughs> Hello, I'm your host, Joel, and thank you for joining me in another exciting episode of Finn Wisdom. Today's episode is fittingly named, I've Changed My Mind. One of the advantages of living in a democracy and the many freedoms we are awarded is the freedom of choice, which extends to the products and services available to us. Just think about how many places you can go food shopping in a 10-mile radius from your own home, or the number of hair salons, the places you can buy a cup of coffee, or someone to fix your plumbing, and just think about all the mind-numbing choices we have at our fingertips when we connect online. Having choices is a blessing and a curse all at the same time. As an example, I tend to make my own tomato sauce these days, but to save time, I always like to have a pre-made jar in the cupboard in a pinch. But have you walked down the aisle of a grocery store for tomato sauce? Reading all the labels, there's spaghetti sauce, traditional sauce, marinara, onions and peppers, vegetable, garlic and basil, chunky tomato, roasted tomato, meat lovers, organic, vegan. The list is endless, and that's all just the variety under one brand. Now multiply that by a dozen or so other labels and then you realize why half the aisle in the grocery store or more than one page online is dedicated to just tomato sauce. But let's step away from food. Like many of you working from home, it lends itself to the need for a better laptop. And I'm not sure if you've gone shopping for one lately, but think about everything that goes into the choices how that laptop will be used and the speed you need, the types of Wi-Fi bands, the size of the screen, the amounts of running memory, the amount of storage memory, the software platforms, the types of chips that are offered, whether it's a touchscreen, cloud-based tablet, the plugins, the keyboard. Did we even talk about colors yet? And what about choices when it comes to shopping for a new car? What size engine are you looking for? The fabric of the seats? The fuel efficiencies. Do you want a sunroof, roof racks, cargo space, digital dashboard options? 
What about the model, the make, and the year? Should we talk about colors again? <coughs> I have to stop here because the examples are exhausting, and my mind is racing with so many scenarios where the appeal of freedom of choice can actually become quite restraining. And this feeling of overload is called choice paralysis. When it comes to managing your money, there is a world of information, tools, and advice at your disposal that are there to help you make sound decisions about your finances. Yet despite all these resources, and the intent to help you select the appropriate solution aligned to your goals and objectives, choice paralysis can trip you up. Let's get into this after a word about our sponsor. Hi everyone, I just wanted to take this minute to personally thank my sponsor, DNA Behavior, for their support of Finn Wisdom. Anyone listening to this podcast understands the influences behavior has on relationships between employers and employees and employees with clients. And intensified behaviors caused by unmanaged human differences, money attitudes, pressure, and emotions can potentially derail performance of your team and your organization. So to improve your organization's ability to communicate, increase its probability of success, and to improve client engagement, well, that's where DNA behavior comes into the picture. Intuition is great, but it doesn't measure behavior, particularly in this virtual world, but DNA Behaviors Tech Solutions do. So explore the behavioral insights that have enhanced over 31 million relationships worldwide, accelerating human performance with every connection. Visit dnabehavior.com to learn how their proactive approach can take your organization to the next level. Welcome back to today's episode, I've Changed My Mind. In the financial world, choice paralysis comes in many forms. I mentioned before the break that we are fortunate to have access to a plethora of financial information out there. But unfortunately, it may not be organized in a way that is easy to analyze or applicable to your specific financial needs, even with the good intentions to either efficiently borrow money or to make sound investments. Even people with higher levels of financial acumen can get tripped up by loan options. In many of the Fin Wisdom episodes, I've cited mortgages for one reason or another. The reason for the continual focus is because in all likelihood, a home may be the largest purchase and loan commitment you may ever have in your life. And the decisions you make in terms of lending can have a significant impact on your wallet especially when we are talking about loans that take 15 to 30 or more years to pay off. And when it comes to choice paralysis, mortgages are right in there. Forget about the exhausting efforts to find your perfect abode. Financial options can be overwhelming. In terms of mortgages, you need to consider a number of types that include conventional, fixed rate, adjustable, jumbo, government-backed, 10-year, 15-year, 30-year, 40-year terms, no points with points, preferred rates, waived closing costs, and as of June 2021, there are approximately 4,430 commercial banks, 640 savings institutions, and 5,160 credit unions in the United States waiting to lend you money. 
Now you won't find it difficult to obtain information on any of these mortgage options, but you definitely are challenged by the number of choices. Let's talk about the science of choices. Richard Thaler, who is considered a foundational leader in behavioral economics, along with Cass Sunstein, another well-known influencer in the field, are often cited for their work and research that defined what is known as choice architecture. It's outlined in a book they authored back in 2008 that's entitled Nudge. So what is choice architecture? Let's use an analogy to help explain it. In the digital world, including social media, building a website or an app, mapping a customer journey and conducting user testing helps to analyze and recognize the path one may take subject to the way information is presented. The intent is to organize, structure, and label content in a way that supports usability and findability to improve engagement, and in the end, provide a desirable experience and outcomes for users. This science is called information architecture. Choice architecture, the term conceived by Thaler and Sunstein, refers to how choices are organized, structured, and labeled in a way that can potentially influence your decision-making. The intent is to help, quote, nudge you, as in the title of the book associated with this science, in an effort to potentially improve your judgments. Aha! Often a nudge is associated by establishing an anchor, a point of reference for your decision-making. For example, let's get back to those mortgages and cars again. Was there an established dollar value you were willing to pay for your new home or new car? I'm sure you did. However, did you happen to search online for a financial calculator to determine how much home or how much car you could afford? And did you happen to tinker with the numbers to see the impact of putting more of a down payment or the change in interest rate or the number of years to pay off the loan would impact your affordability? Well, those calculators created an anchor and a nudge for you to perhaps save more, find a lower interest rate, or influence the length of the loan. This is extremely prevalent whenever we consider planning for college or retirement, two really big financial commitments. Let's take a step away from the large financial purchases because this happens on all levels. So as another example, where we have all witnessed the use of nudges is with charity fundraisers you receive in your mailbox or inbox all the time. When asking for contributions, have you noticed the choice of donational levels with a box to check off your selected amount? Are you going to donate $10, $25, $50, $100, or enter in your own amount? Maybe it's for a really good cause, but at this point, you want to donate the smallest choice. So you check the box off for $10 and provide payment information. But change the anchoring scale and remove the $10 option and there's a strong probability if you are seeking to donate the minimum, you will not hesitate sending in $25 because that is the suggested starting point. Or another way you may have seen a nudge with similar charity fundraisers is let's say we go back to the first example with the selections ranging from $10 to $100, but there is a circle around the $50 option with a caption that reads, donate at this level and receive a free tote bag set or travel mug or blanket, etc. This will nudge or incentivize you to select 
the higher amount. That's the nudge. When it comes to financial planning, a nudge can be as simple as a statement with steps you can take to accomplish a recommendation, such as receiving advice to establish an emergency fund for the unexpected. And the steps could be save X amount of dollars of your paycheck weekly until you have six months saved up. There's an important point that I need to make right now, and that is nudges don't remove or limit your options. They simply entice you to make certain decisions. And this brings me back to the teaser intro of this episode and why, with all the nudges to buy a variety of jams, cause me to have choice paralysis. Most sales and marketing initiatives assume that the more choices offered will increase the likelihood customers will be able to find just the right thing. The intent of the seller of the jams, I'm sure, was to give me a free taste to influence a purchase. Oddly enough, there's actually research that was conducted with jams that mirror my personal experience. Let's talk about that study after a message about our sponsor. If you're someone like me, You always appreciate a good self-help book that is engaging, improves your attitude, helps you tune into your goals. And if you're someone who desires to harness and manage unique differences in people to create a dynamic people culture, I strongly recommend picking up a copy of the award-winning book, Leadership Behavior DNA. It's written by Lee Ellis and Hugh Massey. It's available on Amazon for purchase or visit dnabehavior.com. And while there, you can even take a free test that will determine your personal behavioral style. Learn how the proactive approach can take your organization to the next level. That's dnabehavior.com. Let's wrap up today's episode with a discussion about this study about gourmet jams and some takeaways about choice architecture. So a little over two decades ago, psychologists Sheena Iyengar and Mark Lepper published their findings of an intriguing experiment to test the impact of choices on our psyche. Here's what they did. They put a table and set it up inside an upscale grocery store. And on that table, shoppers were exposed to a display consisting of 24 varieties of gourmet jam. And shoppers were able to sample all the flavors. Is this sounding familiar? For the record, Those who had a taste also received a coupon for a dollar off any jam. They recorded the number of shoppers who stopped by the table and took a taste as well as how many of those shoppers made an actual purchase. Now on a different day, they set up the table once again, only this time the number of jams to choose from was reduced from 24 to just 6. Again, making note who sampled the jams and who made a purchase. And here's what they discovered. Although the larger display of varieties attracted more interest than the smaller one, and in other words, that meant more awareness and traffic, when it came to purchases, people who were exposed to 24 varieties were one-tenth as likely to buy as people who saw only six varieties. Logically, we think more choices people have, the better off they are, but that is just not the case. Look, I'm not saying choice is a bad thing. It's a good thing. But there is a diminishing marginal utility as you add more options. And by the way, diminishing marginal utility, 
is just a fancy way to say that the addition of more alternatives reduces the overall value of the offering. Think of it this way. It's raining and you need an umbrella. You definitely need one, but once you find one that satisfies the need, the more umbrellas with additional functionality subtracts a little less to the overall benefit you would receive from a choice that simply will keep you dry. So when it comes to financial decision making, how can you make choice architecture work for you? Well, you may not realize it, but it's everywhere. Many financial institutions and financial resources implement choice architecture to one degree or another. Nudges come in the form of number of choices, decision aids such as financial calculators, defaults, and additional selection bases on time of triggers. So let's start with nudges in terms of number of choices. And a good example where to start is credit cards. There must be dozens of card variations out there, but we often associate specific financial firms or brands with particular benefits, and that's intentional. Each organization can offer anything, but not everything. Otherwise, as we discussed, no one would buy. So the nudge is providing an array of credit cards with specific benefits that resonate with particular target audiences. Now, decision aids could be in the form of an incentive. If we stick with our example of credit cards, a decision aid could be anything from free balance transfers, fixed initial rate, additional points when you sign up, travel rewards, maybe it's premium services, etc. Decision aids could also be in the form of financial calculators. I've mentioned earlier about online calculators for how much car or house you could afford, but if you ever invest in money, Something tells me somewhere along the way you completed what is called a risk tolerance questionnaire. You may not know it by its name, but it's a set of questions that are often asked to help determine how comfortable you are with risk. This decision aid nudges you toward investments that are aligned to how conservative versus aggressive you are about your investment performance. The next is defaults. This is a big one and has been studied heavily for over 10 years. Defaults, when correctly established, are there to help us make decisions that benefit us, but again, do not eliminate the choices. Basically, they're in place to help lead you to a desired action or activity, unless you take an alternative conscious action on your own. Think of your place of employment. You are often encouraged to save for retirement through a 401k or similar program. What's the nudge? Your employer will match a certain percentage of what you put in. Another more assertive use of nudging are defaults. For example, your payroll may automatically put a minimum amount per paycheck into your retirement plan unless you check off a box stating you don't want to invest. This, by the way, is called automatic enrollment approach and has been very successful in helping people save more in their retirement plans. The last useful tool in choice architecture is triggering additional selections at the appropriate time. And I'm going to go back to the risk tolerance questionnaire mentioned a few minutes ago. So let's say you completed a few questions and based on your responses, you are what is considered a moderate investor. Now, you may be asked your age or the age you want to retire. A third, if we're looking at a truly comprehensive financial plan, may ask questions to help determine your behavioral style. 
Once those additional factors are known, you may receive a set of specific investments to consider. These selections are nudges to help improve the alignment of your investments with your level of risk, behavioral style, and purpose. Now that's what financial services organizations may be doing, but you may be asking, what can you do for yourself? And an objective of nudges is to build more confidence that the decisions you make are more fulfilling. So knowing this, the first thing I can offer is that you should try as best as possible to reduce the number of selections. This will also help reduce decision fatigue. Now you probably do a fairly good job of research before you make financial decisions. But a key to this is to use lists to streamline your choices. This is actually also tethered to another tip, which is creating a decision process. That list just mentioned, simply add a column to the left and a column to the right of that list. And on the right, next to each of those choices, add the reason why that particular selection is differentiated or unique to all the others. The column on the left, that's for once your list is completed and for ranking purposes. Another component is to establish a disqualifier criteria. What characteristics of a choice will not be acceptable regardless of its benefits? And here's another tidbit. And you may know it, but not be thinking of it right now. But that is to review choices during the time of day when you are most alert and have historically made the best decisions. The next thing to consider, create a deadline. Now I realize some decisions you encounter need to be made in that moment and not in a day or week or month, but when there is an overwhelming number of choices, you can still set a limit to how many options you are willing to consider and stop once you reach that point. Lastly, when you feel overwhelmed, Stop second-guessing yourself and get help. And I don't mean start reading more reviews online or articles on the subject matter. I mean get someone to weigh in who is knowledgeable or that has an impact by your financial decision. I have one caveat with this. Those individuals should be provided with your decision list so they have full information on your rationale. I hope you found today's episode helpful in how choice architecture can help you overcome choice paralysis. So the next time you're deciding on among flavors of jam where all the choices are good choices, but get into a jam over deciding which one you like most, maybe it's a good idea to just ask the seller to surprise you and turn the decision over to them. As a copyright reminder, written permission is required to use any of the content shared. Any views expressed are my own and are not the opinion of any entity unless otherwise mentioned during the program. And since we are critical thinking creatures, these opinions are subject to change. For financial advice, consider consulting a licensed financial professional. And make sure to watch your inbox for the next exciting episode of Fin Wisdom.